What's up, church planters and all you fans of church planting? My name is Jared Huntley, and I'm with my good friend and fellow planter in arms, Matt Hess. And you guys are listening to In the Trenches, a podcast by everyday church planters for the everyday church planter. So whether you're a lead church planter or you're on a church planting team or you're just a fan of church planting, then this podcast, (coughs) excuse me, (laughs) I did it again. And this podcast is for those of you who want to get in the trenches and advance the kingdom of God. Matt, how's it going, man? It's going good, my friend. Sounds like you're uh, fighting back a little cough or something. Nah, yeah, I, know. I think I've just been talking too much this morning. Yeah. Imagine that. I talk, me talking a lot. Huh? You? Yeah, I know. I do me? talk a lot. Part of it's because we just recorded an episode. Yeah, we just recorded and, an episode. You're supposed to talk. And so now... <clears throat> Golly, I'm literally losing my voice. Like as we're as we're recording the second episode, so it's going to be an inter- interesting episode. That unicorn, you might have to carry the weight. That unicorn donkey is looking at you. It's a pinata, Matt. It's a pinata. And it doesn't. Ha- it doesn't have a horn coming from its head, so it's not a unicorn. It's a donkey, though. It is a donkey, and it's colored like a rainbow. Yeah. It, it why do is, you have? A, why do you have a rainbow donkey Jen, pinata? Jen made it she for made- her for her birthday. She made it? Yeah, she made it. Wow. Yeah. Jen, Jen is super talented with that kind of stuff. She is. She can make just about anything. She's very crafty and creative. Yeah. So, I, awesome. I have a Pinterest account. <laughs> I, just, I just feel like I need to get that off my chest. Here. I have a Pinterest account, too. I don't ever get on it. The only thing I use it for is whenever it comes to Christmas time, Jen will pin her like Christmas wish yeah. list for things she wants. And so it's how I know what to get my wife for Christmas. So that's important. Oh, wow. Yeah. I have a Pinterest account because my wife started one for me um, to send me certain things uh, about like, uh, I don't really know. Church planning stuff? Or? Yeah, I think at the beginning that like church planning ideas and stuff mm-hmm. like that. And But I still get the emails from like Pinterest, you know? Yeah. And so every time I see it, I just delete it because I'm like, I don't do anything on Pinterest. Yeah. No, I don't either. But Pinterest is not just for women. I mean, they got some cool stuff on there. No, they got I, I feel stuff. like I'm like trying to defend having a Pinterest account. Like they got cool things on there too. They got stuff for guys. <laughs> I mean, there is some actually, you know what? Sometimes I will get on Pinterest for like a recipe for or like an idea for like food that I want to yeah. eat. So that that is something that I'll do on Pinterest. Hey, so speaking of social media, is Pinterest considered social media? I don't really think it is. I it, it may be. But anyways, um, speaking of social media, so I've been really trying to learn like the analytics part of like Instagram and mm-hmm. not so much Twitter because I just don't, I don't really get Twitter. <laughs> I never really have. But um, like the in- Instagram is, the Instagram, Instagram's interesting to me because like I started noticing like people put all like a million hashtags and I'm like, man, why do they do that every time? Yeah. And so I started studying it and stuff. And, and so I, I help manage our, our different accounts and ministry accounts and stuff. And so I realized like when you use different hashtags for different things, like it attracts different people. Right. And so like I shot you this text yesterday, like this cannabis grower, like started uh, following fellowship pickers. Which hashtag attracted the cannabis grower? That's what I thought. I grow hashtag grow. Cause it's it's one of our core. It's one of our, um, it's one of our uh, strategy. Yeah, because literally, marks. like people will just they'll follow, like they'll just search yeah. hashtags, and especially if they're trying to grow their own account, they'll follow everybody. Like, yeah. So whoever that managed that account probably didn't even pay attention to the fact that you're a church. They don't care. Yeah, so. they don't care. But like, uh, uh like um, I I tw- I, I uh, posted this thing the other day for the network for uh, our men's retreat, and I was like, brotherhood, manhood, mm-hmm. it, 
teamwork to make the dream work, da da da, you know? And so like you get followers and you start getting these followers of people who are like, um, you know, like motivational speakers yep. and stuff like that. I'm like, cool, man. They, they hear the gospel. There you go. You know, so, but go. I find it fast. I, I don't know why I find it fascinating mm-hmm. that like a hashtag can like attract somebody to follow your account. Yeah, we live in a different and, world, bro. We do. Well, people go and search, search those hashtags, especially people with like, like motivational speakers. They're trying to follow you so that you'll follow them back so that they can get a bigger following right. so that they can make more money. Like that's what, they, that's what that's it's what all, about. all about. So that's what Twitter they seems They want to, more clicks on their website. Twitter so. seems to be about like, how many how many followers you can get with not following minimally anybody, right? Like that's that's the level of cool. That's a measure of coolness. I don't know. Is like it? that's that's yeah. I mean, you just look at people's Twitter accounts. So people will have like five thousand follower five thousand followers, and they follow like fifty or like ten. That's always think is so funny about Stetzer, right? Because Stetzer follows everybody back. I always find that that pretty cool. Yeah, maybe because Stetzer doesn't care what people think about him. Yeah. He's like, you know what? He's a man in black. We need to have Stetzer on. Do you know him? Yeah, we could get him on, I think. Okay. How much do we have to pay him? <laughs> I don't I don't I don't think he would I don't think he would charge us anything. Oh, sweet. Maybe a black suit or something. He's always wearing that same black suit. The same black suit. Okay. He's a sharp dressed man. Yeah. He, my favorite artist of all time, Johnny Cash, always wore black. Mm-hmm. He did. I love me some Johnny Cash. Yeah. Johnny Cash is good. I like Johnny Cash as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Man, I um speaking of cash. We are gonna be talking about cash today. Well, no, we're not. We're gonna well, we're gonna be talking about lack of cash. We're gonna be talking yeah, about having, there you go. We're gonna be uh, be talking about Man, what I, to do when you don't have very much cash and you want to plant a church. I threw you softball. And I and I hit it. No, and it just no, I, no, no, you didn't. You get three strikes before you're out. No, there. no, you ignored it. <laughs> hey bro, have you seen the new Rex Chapman? You know Rex Chapman, the basketball player? Yeah. Have you seen his Twitter account, the no. blocker charge? No. There's some things on there that are semi-inappropriate. Nothing like terrible, but that's pretty hilarious Twitter account. Is it? You should follow it. Okay. Blocker charge, it, it's like, it's just funny. There's a couple things on there that's borderline, but it's pretty hilarious. Okay. I'll have to check it out. Yeah. If you go out. on there and, um, but yeah, it's Rex Chapman, the basketball player from Kentucky. Played in the NBA for all those years. Played for the Suns, Phoenix Suns, right? Played for the Suns. He was a journeyman towards the end of his career. Mm-hmm. But yeah. I remember him for his Phoenix Suns days. Yeah. He played alongside like Dan Marley and Charles Barkley and all those guys. Yeah. yeah. He did. Yeah. 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 I know my NBA stuff. I know my basketball history. I used to play I used to play NBA Live. You used to play in the NBA? Like, no, NBA Live back oh, in the day, like, okay. all the time. Yeah. I remember NBA. Um, what what was the game? Was it NBA Jam? Oh yeah, NBA Jam. That was awesome. He's on fire. Like, uh, yeah. They, oh man. Boom shakalaka. Boom shakalaka. I used yeah. to like uh, Orlando Magic. You play Shaq and Scott mm-hmm. Skiles. Oh yeah. And then uh, and then Penny the, Hardaway. Yeah, Penny Hardaway too. The Warriors had Chris Mullins and um, who, uh, Tim Hardaway. Yep. Oh, dude, that was such a fun. That game. was such a cool game. It was. We used to go after church. We would we would go to Fuddruckers, right? And Fuddruckers had a What'd had you a call little arcade, uh, arcade Fuddruckers. Okay. And it had a little arcade area, and it had NBA Jam on, in there, and we'd yeah. go and just play for a quarter over so and over again. I remember the first time I ever played that game, we went to uh, we went on vacation to Kansas City. There's an amusement park there called Worlds of Fun, mm-hmm. and a water park there called Oceans of Fun. Shout out to all our Kansas City area listeners. But um, 
that that was a pretty cool amusement park, and that's the first time I ever played NBA Jam. Yeah, it's pretty neat. Yeah, it it's a fun game. I wish, man. I wonder if there's like, I'd love to play that game again. I wonder where it, like you could find you could it. Probably play it on your Mac. Yeah, but I, that's not the same. It's not the same as the arcade. I want to. I wonder how much it would be to like buy a retro arcade of NBA Jam. I, now I'm gonna. Wow, Google, speaking I'm, of cash, I'm gonna Google it later. Now you're gonna buy it? No, I'm gonna Google how much it would cost. It probably it's probably be like, like several five, thousand dollars. It's probably like five thousand dollars or something stupid like that. Yeah. 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 What if you? Uh, what if you buy it? Uh, then I'd have a lot of fun playing it. That'd be pretty cool. It would be pretty cool. But I'm a church planner, so I don't think I can. Speaking of which, church planning with yeah. little to no money. Church planning with little to no money. So Some dude's out there, he's like, I need to sell my NBA Jam arcade game to fund my church plant. Yeah. Yeah. If you if you have an NBA Jam arcade game, then there's a high probability you don't have a money problem. Hey, true story. Mm-hmm. I know a church planner in Nashville or Tennessee area, Nashville area, who he refurbs like arcade games. Our, and he uses part of his business. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, there you go. So maybe we can get an NBA Jam hey. arcade game. Hey, you never know. You never know. Matt, we're going to talk about church planting with little to no money today, and how Impossible. do you, how you do it? Impossible. Impossible. Okay, well, I guess this episode's over then, so we should wrap. Well, thanks for listening today. It's been great having. I hope that was encouraging for all of you. Yeah. Uh, so, how important do you think it is, Matt, for us to be thinking through low budget or no budget? church planting i i prefer the term no budget church planting okay no budget church planting. people um i'm saying that facetiously because okay. you know people people laugh because you know me and uh people that know me closely know that i'm not i'm not very well organized so like budgeting what, and, what? you're not organized no way. Um, like budgeting and stuff like that like i just budget budget but um <laughs> budget, budget. <laughs> but like yeah uh but yeah, man, I remember uh, trying to think. I remember like uh, people, like our, our logo for Fellowship Pickering, we got like a Vista print for like 20 bucks. Um, you know, the uh, I'm trying to think of some other examples. And we just didn't spend a lot of money. We, we keep a super low budget. Like money... And anybody that knows me knows this is true. Money literally means nothing to me. I will give money away. I will spend the money constantly. It doesn't matter to me. Mm-hmm. Like it's, I need to probably grow in that area. Uh, I have grown a lot in that way, but like tithing, stewarding, like I don't care. It doesn't matter. Um, but when it comes to like the network and like Fellowship Pickering's money, we're super, super, super tight with it. Yep. Um, I can attest to that. Because, you know, the, the, um, be, I think for me, the reason why we, we operate that way and we've always operated that way, it's not a lack of faith. It's not a faith thing by no means. It's, it's a movement thing. Mm-hmm. I want to keep resources to plant more churches. Yep. And so, you know, we don't put a ton of money into, um, some of the things that I see other church plants doing and, um, and then, you know, everybody's got kind of different levels of things. Somebody might come to our church plant and say, wow, you guys do things nicer than we would do, you know? So, I mean, but I think for me, it's important um, to be thinking a low church plant budget from the very beginning yep. because you don't want to get super cash strapped right from the get-go and say like, well, we, you know, we, we can't. 
we can't give a church plan a little bit of money to go start another church or we can't we can't afford any operating expenses like we've mm. been able to live very open-handed with our churches that we've planted um at fellowship pickering because we've done without it's almost like a parent kind of thing you know like i think if you're going to be a good sending church you have to op- almost operate that way mm-hmm. it's like your mom and dad they you know they probably didn't you know um they don't talk about it but like they kind of go without so that you can have yeah you know kind of thing sure so i think that's i think that's one of the big reasons why For sure yeah i think that um you know we're talking about low to no budget church planning i think that like a lot of people would not consider our churches, you know, low to no budget church planting because yeah. we've got a full time salary for a pastor, right? right? And so that alone, you know, pushes our our budget, you know, you know, a lot higher up there. Like, yeah. Um, so you know, we we talked about last last episode how we're transitioning out. So actually, our church is about to go to a really low budget. I was about because to say that, my yeah. my salary was most of the budget. So like, actually, yeah. we're a small church in a pretty poor area, you know, of mm-hmm. about like, you know, 40 some odd people. And yet this church is self-sustaining. Yeah. Once you remove my salary, um, like we're a self-sustaining church because we don't, we don't have, we're pretty low maintenance. We're, pre- yeah. we're nuts and bolts. And, you know, like we gather on Sunday morning, the most expensive, you know, uh, you know, uh, line item in our budget is the rent for Sunday mornings. Yeah. You know, it's like what, 1100 bucks a month. Yeah. You know, so that's it. Yeah, we're the same way. I mean, like, you know, I I I have a full-time salary um through through Fellowship Pickering, you know, we're really close. We we would have been yeah. self-sustaining if we weren't multiplying. And by the way, let, for our listeners, like yeah. the reason that Matt and I are full-time is cuz we have to be. Because yeah. of our because of our our uh our status, well, I have to be. Because of my uh immigrant status here, yes. I can't just go get a job and be yeah. bivocational. The only way I could be in this country is if I was quote-unquote working right. full-time for the church. Uh, and so that's, yeah. it was out of necessity that, 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 that was the case. And, you know, just for clear on that end, like I could work now because I'm a permanent resident in Canada. But Matt, Matt doesn't like to work, but I don't like to work. I don't <laughs> want to work. You know, I don't want to have to actually get my hands dirty. I mean, look at these, look at these hands. I, I mean, we these are those delicate things. These to are get soft and gentle, you are. know? Yeah. Um, but, but, you know, uh, in, in all seriousness, um, in the beginning, I wish I could have worked, yep. you know, to build relationships. Yep, me too. Um, you know, I wish I could have worked at Starbucks. Every time I go into Starbucks or a Tim's, I'm like, man, I, w- I really, really liked it to work here, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, but I couldn't in the beginning. And now because it, God has just done so much, I wouldn't obviously have the time to do anything else. Um, but, but we are at Fellowship Pickering, you know, like as I transition to a full-time catalyst with the, with the city, um, we're not replacing like a full-time salary yeah, pastor. That's true. So we're going to have elders and, and, mm-hmm. you know, we'll have, um, we'll have a team of teachers. We'll have a, we'll have a, a, a teaching pastor that will, that will probably be the teacher, you know, 50% of the time. Um, and he'll be compensated, but nothing insane. Yep. And, um, so it'll probably be a co-vocational model. Mm-hmm. And, um, but anyways, so, so yeah, I think that, I think that starting that way though is really important. Mm-hmm. You know, if you can, how you make your decisions and, and, um, you know, man, I see a lot of planners, they got expensive tastes yeah. and they, well, what is it like the average church? <clears throat> I heard like, like a quarter million dollars or something like that. Yeah. That it takes to start the average church. I mean, that's a lot of money. Yeah. Yeah. Um, like, I mean, I, so why is it important for us besides the fact that that's just a huge number to move away from, you know, starting churches that cost us a quarter million dollars to get off the ground? 
I think anything like that ultimately in, impedes movement, right? Like mm-hmm. it, it impedes multiplication. You know, the um, the only reason why we haven't gone to like a full blown house church planning model um, is just because, in my p- opinion, and in what I've seen in six years being on this soil in this context, is that um, Sunday morning gatherings still matter to people here, mm-hmm. even lost people, curious people. And so um, I'm not, I'm not, we're not advocating it for or against any model. I'm just saying that obviously that model is the least expensive mm-hmm. because you don't need to pay for operating expenses. You don't got to, you know, you're not going to put up, a, you know, lights in the sound system in your house or anything like that, you yeah. know? Um, so anyways, I just think that there's nothing wrong with going to Sunday morning gathering, but I think that we need to go there out of necessity, right? Yeah, of course. Not out of like... You don't just start a Sunday morning gathering because that's what you do, and then you try to yeah. pack the place out with marketing dollars and events and things like that. Yeah. I think that's what we do. We're backwards in the way that we go well, about things a lot. Well, there's a word that you have to remember and all this, and I don't want to get obviously too off topic, but it's momentum. I mean, like if you don't have any momentum and you just do this because this is what you know, then that's where a lot of guys struggle, mm-hmm. you know, and that's that's where it gets challenging. And then it's a never-ending money hole. Yeah, then pay. it's a never-ending money hole. You yep. just keep throwing more and more cash at something that's yeah, not yeah. it's not getting off off the ground. And so, you know, that's why we're moving, you know, we have for some time now to a more fruit-based model mm-hmm. of building relationships in the harvest with lost people, seeing them come to Christ, baptized mm-hmm. and so forth and so on. Sure. What but do you, I, yeah, okay, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you go. I was just going to say, you know, I think that I mean, I, I look back on when we started fellowship Pickering, we had $50,000 when we moved up here. That was our base salary, $50,000, which is not a lot of money for the GTA. No. It translated to like 60-something, 64, 63 with the conversion. So that was really nice. Um, But still not a lot of money in a place like this. Um, So, and then we got a couple of partners, you know, that that covered operating costs and stuff like that. But mainly, man, in the beginning, it was just like we operated just with a super low budget because we wanted, we knew we wanted to multiply. So we wanted to reserve funds to help our first, our second church plant, which at that time was Rouge Park and Case Van Ball Singham um, and their family. But, you know, we knew that we couldn't fall into this trap of starting just to throw a truckload of dollars at, at something to try yeah. to make it successful. Mm-hmm. We knew that that wasn't what made churches go or not go. Yep. And I still believe that. Yep. Yeah. No, I, I do too. Yeah. What are, what are some of the, pushbacks maybe though against low budget or no budget church planting that you've heard some of the pushbacks yeah is or are there any yeah i don't know i was actually having trouble thinking of any to be honest with you i think that i mean the conversation you just i mean it just naturally goes into model here right like um you just if you're gonna do like a if you're gonna do like a big attractional type model it's gonna Mm -hmm be more expensive well maybe not even like the pushback but maybe some of like the um like the the resistance that people have to doing it uh it's not that they're they're um you know uh they're not against it per se you know as a a strategy or something like that but they're resistant towards actually doing it because it's harder yeah you know like i think low to no budget church planning is 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 harder in a lot of ways because you know it's a longer grind it's a slower Mm -hmm. process you know, you're, you're not going to be able to fill a room as fast. Yeah. Um, and it's, you're going to have to get out in the harvest and yeah. share the gospel. 
Yeah, things like that, because you can't use, you know, like flashy things to attract people, right? I think the biggest thing that we hear a lot is, is like, well, God values excellence. You know, we, oh, yeah, yeah. We hear that a lot, you oh, know, yeah. and so, and does he? Yeah, he of does. course he does. Of course he values excellence. I mean, like, I don't think God's pleased when we preach crappy sermons no. and, uh, you know, we're ill prepared or, you know, or, uh, or we haven't thought through a vision or anything like that. But here's the thing, man. I'm like, you know, you guys, you guys got to see this from the very beginning of your church planning journey when you did your residency with us at Fellowship Pickering. I mean, we met in this old dumpy elementary school gym for the first, you know, three and a half years of mm -hmm. our existence and we grew and it was fine. You know, we reached lost people and we did baptisms in there and stuff like that. And so, you know, did it annoy me that you go in there and a lot of times, you know, that little gym would be plastered with all like the kids projects from that year and for that week. Yeah. You know, it's kind of stupid, you know, it's <laughs> like, but was the gospel still preached? Did people still give their lives to Christ in there? Yeah, sure. And yeah. so I think it's what you value, you know, I mean, I think it's what you, I don't think anybody doesn't, doesn't come back to your church because they're like, Oh man, you know, they meet in that elementary gym. Yep. You know what I mean? Like, mm -hmm. and I think that if, I think that if they do, then, or if they don't, then I don't know if that's, if I really want to advance the kingdom of people like that. Yep. You know, I'm not saying they don't, they don't have a place somewhere. I want them to go and to flourish somewhere, but probably not in a church plant setting. Cause those people are going to wear you out, man. Mm -hmm. If that, if that's kind of thing. Yep. But, um, but, but yeah, I think I, I, I don't, I don't know if there's, I don't know what the pushback against, but like the, that, but I hear that a lot, you know, well, God values excellence. Yeah. And so planners equate that with money. Yeah. They equate that with nice things, mm -hmm. you know, and you know, big, um, like certain, certain things you have to have, you know, and, and, um, it's okay. I mean, everybody's going to do their own thing. Everybody's going to do what, what, you know, we tried the, we tried to do pipe and drape, for example, like we tried to cover up all that stuff, but it, it was a lot more trouble than what it was worth. Mm -hmm. Um, I, we could never quite trick people into thinking that they weren't in an old elementary school gym. Mm -hmm. So we just embraced it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I personally am, I want to be as low maintenance as possible because the more stuff that you've got, the more you've got going on, yeah. the more distractions there are to me. That's to the, what, that's to a what big really, reason. It's, I don't want anything distracting from what really matters. Right. You know, there's a verse that's been like uh, kind of ruminating in my mind for like the last couple of months. It's first Corinthians chapter one, verse 17. And Paul says, you know, he, he says in that verse, he says that, um, I, I preached, we preach Christ, not with eloquent wisdom, lest the cross of Christ be emptied of its power. Mm -hmm. And that really jumped out at me <laughs> several weeks ago because I realized, you know what, like what Paul is essentially saying there is he's saying like, if I had tried to, to get people to want the gospel, to get people to pay attention to the gospel, to get people yeah. to, you know, like. Uh, you know, attracts people to the gospel by adding eloquent wisdom to it. I've I've literally emptied it of its power completely, and yeah. you might as well not even try and show yeah. up. And it's not and for the Greeks; it was eloquent wisdom that was the temptation. Mm -hmm. For us, it might be something different. For us, it's you know, like performance, and you know, you know, whatever. Like you know, uh, it could be uh, you know, for you know, Paul said for the Jews, it was signs and you know, and wonders and experience, yeah. right? 
And for us today, I think a lot of times what we can quote unquote add to the gospel is we can, we can depend on everything except the good news of Jesus to attract people to church. And if, if Jesus is not the main attraction, Mm. then I, you may be completely emptying the gospel of its power. And so whatever you're going to build, you're building it with, I don't know, you're just building, you know, stuff out of straw and hay. Yeah. It's, you're in danger of doing that, I think. Um, so I don't know. That's something I've been thinking about a lot. Yeah. You know, I mean, like to get back to your question, I mean, I, I think when, when people push back against it, you know, like they think, I, I think anything that impedes growth or impedes or impedes multiplication for me is problematic. Right. So yeah. like being, being careful with what you do and what you implement and all those kinds of things, prayerfully you've got planners in your system. Prayerfully, you've got planners in your in your church that you're teaching them as you plant your church, and so you know the lessons that you what, what lessons do you want them to learn? Do you want them to, you know, it takes us roughly 45 minutes to set up on a Sunday night. You know, do you? Um, I know churches where it takes three hours. Mm. You know, it's like because they when they say church like portable church, like they literally mean like portable church, man. Like they've got systems and they've got like a you know, 30 foot trailers. I mean, like, and all kinds of stuff. And you know what, man? Like, listen, if you're, I'm not bashing that stuff. I'm just saying, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, just be careful what you do if you want to multiply, if you want to start churches. That's the bigger question to me, mm-hmm. what we're talking about mm-hmm. today. Mm-hmm. Cause you know, like the resources, the money I want to put back into the harvest. I, I, I don't want, and then you have to also think about what kind of disciples are you making? Like if you, if, and, and what kind of disciples are you, Christians are you attracting? So like if, if you are, if you're trying to make it seem like just this is the coolest thing, nicest thing, best thing, whatever, you know, people can value excellence. Like people value, we, we literally had people in the beginning stages of Fellowship Pickering. I remember during our previous, we had parents that would come up to us and say, wow, thank you. This is so nice. Like you guys did it. We didn't do it with a ton of money. Mm-hmm. We just had good systems. Like Erica had built a good check-in system for our nursery and our kids and people were background checked and all those kinds of things. So you can, you can come, you can do things nice and professional. Mm -hmm. And you know what, as you grow a little bit, as you get a little more resources, put a little bit more money and time into it. It's okay. But just don't go nuts with it. When Mm -hmm. you go nuts with it, you start to create this ideology Mm -hmm. into the people that you're working with. And I think that just becomes problematic. Yep. I agree. Um, and I, I just think we got to be so careful that we don't, you know, commercialize it, um, because we're. I think we we we're, we gravitate towards that as Westerners, you know, yeah. like we're so consumer driven, and you know, like I think that's part of what drives those. You know, we want to do things with excellence, right? Well, that's part of that American mindset, you know, of like the American dream, and we've got to outwork our, you know, outwork everybody else, and you can do anything if you put your mind to it, and yeah. you know. Uh, all this stuff. And th- it's not that there's anything intrinsically wrong with a lot of that, but you know, when that starts driving like our, our ministry philosophy, like you said, I think we got to be careful, uh, you know, just, just yeah. with what we're communicating, maybe non-verbally. Yeah. Um, so, so what are some of the advantages to low to no budget church planting that well, we've talked a little bit about it already. Right. Yeah. So like, um, you know, they will be more simple. Mm-hmm. You can reproduce mm-hmm. quicker, um, teaching, teaching your people, what it looks like. I think one thing, I think one thing that's just becoming more and more burdensome on my heart is like, as we look around all the persecution that's going around the world and yeah. the churches, I want, I don't want our people to, 
I don't want our people to think that we have to have certain things to, to be the church. Yeah. You know what I mean? And I think like, if you, if you're not careful, you can inadvertently tell people that, that you need these things to be a church. And, um, I think when you keep things simple, it, it's, it's more, it's more principle. It's more theory. It's not mm -hmm. just like, it's not just we're doing this because we don't have any money. Mm -hmm. We're doing this because we want to reserve money to plant churches, mm -hmm. to give to missions, to advance the kingdom in difficult places around the world. Yeah. And so I think those are some of the advantages. Mm -hmm. Keeping things simple um, for multiplication mm -hmm. is is at the top of the list for me. Yep. Yep. Yeah. I think that, you know, the fact that it costs less money, um, you know, like one of the ways that that can you know, also help is that it kind of broadens the pool of available and qualified church planters. Yeah. Um, you don't need, you don't need experts who, you know, are, are capable of like operating like a CEO and running these, you know, these big operations. Um, I think, you know, um, low to no budget church planning, it forces you to be more dependent upon God. So it forces you to pray and to fast more. Uh, to depend upon the power of the gospel because yeah. you can't depend on, you know, big marketing dollars and big campaigns and events, you know, and like the the, the things that we're so prone to want to fall back on to try to infuse some life into our Sunday morning services yeah. or whatever. Like it's so tempting to do that yeah. as church planners because we've done it. We've just done it in the church for so long. And it's a slower process whenever you're, you know, you go, you know what? Like it's not that there's anything wrong with doing events. But when you're going, but I'm going to depend upon prayer, fasting, evangelism, discipleship, you know, yeah. the things that we see in the Bible. Like I'm yeah. going to do, I'm going to run that play, what mm -hmm. God has shown us in the book of Acts. And sometimes it takes longer. Yeah. But like one of the things we've seen is that, yeah, it's been a slower process, but the the quality and, and the, the vitality and the health of our yeah. church is just deeper than than anything I'd ever experienced before. And yeah. it's just so enjoyable to be a part of. I think it's like, I think we talk about this stuff too. I think there's a, we don't say this out loud, but I think that, I think that there's been, I've, I've actually, I've seen a lot of this where guys think that if you don't have a lot of money, you're, you, you can't plant a healthy growing church. Um, it's going to be harder to do that. You mm -hmm. know what I mean? And to your point, we're not talking about size of church. I mean, like, like we're talking about health, and I mean, I think if I think if guys are being honest, man, would you rather pastor a church of, you know, of fifty, and the majority of the church is like really making disciples or sharing or whatever it might be, whatever measures you use? Obviously, those are the 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 certain ones. Or pastor a church of five hundred and like maybe 50 percent or ten percent of those people, fifty of those people are doing it. You know, then you're like, oh yeah. I think they'd say the 500, you know, you really think so? I think so. That's I think a lot, of, I think a lot of guys would. Hmm. And, you know, because I think we would theorize and say, Oh yeah, we, I get those 50 people be on mission and impact the others and all that kind of stuff. But yeah. you know, it's, you're not, we, you're not in this. Like, let me, let me clarify. You, you're, you're transitioning, you know, I'm transitioning, but like when I say this, what I mean is, we're we're not in this for the the the, the short haul. Like we're in it for the long haul. Mm -hmm. We're not we're not into flash in the pan church planning. You know what I mean? Like we want to see like long, healthy, health sustainable churches mm -hmm. started yep. in the GTA. And that you have to start churches a certain way, in my opinion. Mm -hmm. You know, like 
Man, you have to start with the end in mind. Yep. Like if you if you start one way, it gets challenging to change the culture, you know, like mid mid midstream. And so I think that I think that it's really important that you understand that that guys understand and their teams understand don't compromise certain things for growth, mm-hmm. you know. Don't do that because if you do that, compromise once you're going to compromise again and before you know it like your whole ministry is a compromise yeah i'm not talking about integrity i'm not talking about character i'm talking about the kind of church you want Mm -hmm. you know you want a church that that's making disciples that they know your mission they know your vision and you know like there's that quote i don't i don't know where it comes from but you know you, you win people to what you win them with right and so if you win people with um you know like events and uh, you know, you know, marketing and money and stuff like that. And, you know, you're going to win people, you're winning people to that and they're yeah. going to expect it yeah. and you're going to have to continue to do it. I think a lot of times we, you know, we think, well, we can compromise a little bit, you know, like just to get people in the door. And once we get them in the door, then we'll be able to turn them into real disciples. We'll be able to turn them into followers yeah. of Jesus. If we can just get them to get them in the door Right. And what, whatever means necessary to get them in the door and then we'll turn them into disciples through, you know, cause I'm going to preach the gospel, you know, yeah. I'm going to do, you know, we're going to do expository preaching. We're going to tell people to be in discipleship. And I just think that it just doesn't end up happening that way because you win people to what, we, what you win them with. You yeah. Know? And, and, and you, and you know, both of us could share stories. You, you can, cause somebody's out there listening and they're pushing back. I know it. Cause I, I we talk like this when I travel and stuff and people, it doesn't matter how you start sometimes. You know what I mean? You can try to start... You and I tied this conversation not too long ago. You can start the super church where every person's going to make disciples and, every, and we're going to do church discipline. Every member's going to do this. Every member's going to do that. People are falling, man. You know, and then once you get your church up off the ground, some couple refuses to get in your discipleship plan. Somebody pushes back on the vision. So, like, we're not talking about that. We're talking about the overall like vision of the church. Like, yeah. what do you want to be about? You mm-hmm. know, you're always going to have, and I'm, I'm saying this cause we were just talking about this in a core team meeting last weekend. No matter what, you're always going to have those people that they just want to come on Sundays or whatever. Mm-hmm. And what you said, what do you say to those people? I had this question asked me, what do you do with those people? They can come on Sundays, yeah. <laughs> let them come on Sunday, sure. you know, I, but I'm not going to give my life away to those people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you know, I'm not going to coach our leaders to do that as well. Mm-hmm. They can until they want to live on mission and make disciples and engage the harvest and those kinds of things, then they're not going to get the majority, the lion's share of our leadership's time. Yep. So what are some of the biggest obstacles and challenges for low budget church planning? I I think some of the, I don't know about the obstacles. Um, Gosh, that's a tough question for me because, I mean, like, you know, when you say there's obstacles, I mean, how much how much money, like, did, did it cost when you read the book of Acts? Like, how much money did mm-hmm. it cost those folks to mm-hmm. start churches and stuff? Well, I, I think, to what you know, to your point, like, I think maybe one of the biggest obstacles is, is unbelief. Right? Yeah, like, yeah. I think unbelief might be one of the biggest obstacles yeah. to low to no budget church planning because it's... It's, it takes faith. Yeah. Right. Yeah. I need this, you know, I need that to, to, 
We really want to be yeah. a, a strong church. One thing you have to understand, man, is that God's going to bring the resources that you need. Mm-hmm. And I don't want our listeners thinking like, oh, man, there's, I mean, like, they're saying it doesn't cost you money to plant church. We're not saying that. No, because we're going to do an episode on fundraising, like, probably next, yeah. next time. So. so, of course, it costs money to start churches. Yep. We're just saying that God, God is going to provide you every single thing that you need. Mm-hmm. And... You know, the obstacles, yeah, the obstacles is doubt or lack of faith that God can start a church and can start a movement through you without a ton of money, mm-hmm. you know? And I think that if the, idea, if the idea is you have to have a truckload of money before you can be a healthy, sustaining, multiplying church, I think that's faulty thinking. Yeah. Yep. Because it, it'll never, you'll never have enough money Mm-mm. if that's your mentality. Nope. Nope. You'll never have enough money. No, you definitely won't. Um, so how can, uh, how can guys start? Like if somebody's wanting to, uh, take steps to plant a, a healthy multiplying church with little to no money, then what do they do? Yeah, I think, I think that one thing we've talked about is Bible planting, co-vocational mm-hmm. planting. I think that, um, you know, and this might be an obstacle in some people's minds sure. as well, but you know, I, I think that you have to plant in teams. Yep. You know, I mean, let's, let's just be honest. Like if you, if you move in and this is what we've done typically in North America, you move into an area, you've got to fundraise, you've got to have a big salary. You've got to, it's expensive to live in places like Toronto, DC, wherever else it might be. So you have to do that. But if the model moving forward is co-vocationalism or bivocationalism where you're on a team and that church is, that's where the majority of the money is going into. It's yep. going into pastor's salaries. Yep. So if the majority of the money goes into the harvest that comes in through your tithes and offerings, even as a network, we're, instead of just, we're, we're talking about this, instead of just throwing money at new church plants, what if that core team that's a part of that church plant, they are the primary givers, they take their tithes and offerings and they put it in that church plant's bucket. Mm-hmm. And if they want to pay that church planner a little bit of money, then they pay that church planner a little bit of money. Yep. But they're they're not dependent on a bigger organization like, you know, um, like our tribe or mm-hmm. denomination or our network or anything like that. And yep. so I think the steps you can start to take right away, if you're listening to this and you say, I want to start a church is to have a team mentality. And I think a, a really good way to think through this stuff is, you know, not being dependent necessarily on a church to fund it all. Mm-hmm. But to say, I'm going to be able to go into a place and work. Now, I, I know that that's not the scenario for everybody, but I think that's I, that's why we're really putting all our chips in the co-vocational um, table right now. Yeah, because Because sure. I think that's the future of church planning. Yep. If we have to fund every church plant and planter like we've traditionally done, it, we're, I don't think we're going to be able to plant a lot of churches. No, no, I don't either. I think also, you also need to... You know, maybe there's pastors listening or, or church planters who've already planted a church listening and, you know, wanting to multiply. And, you know, I think you also need to look around at your lay leaders who maybe you've never seen as church planters before because they didn't fit the mold of right. what you've envisioned as a, what a, what a church planter looks like, you know, yeah. kind of the, what we kind of refer to sometimes as the five tool planter, yeah. you know, the guy who can do it all, who just, he could fundraise like a boss and he can, you know, like he can gather people and he's just got this infectious, you know, magnetic personality yeah. and, you know, and there's guys out there like that and their gifts to the church, you know, and they've, they've got specific roles, but let's be honest, like those guys are few and far between. There's yeah. not very many people like that. And those are, you know, not all church planters are, you know, 
supposed to be like that. See, you know? well, my, my heart is, is that those guys that they begin to see a bigger vision and picture that it's not just about their church plan. Amen. So like if they have those gifts, they can leverage those gifts and those relationships and partnerships and everything. They can steward those and, and direct those towards other planters. Mm -hmm. That's, that's my heart moving yep. forward for what yep. I want to see those guys do. And we've, and, and I've seen what's cool is that I am seeing some examples Absolutely. of that out there. Me too. Um, you know, like I think, you know, about, uh, like Rob Wilton. Yeah. Super, super gifted dude. Yeah. That guy, like I'm blown away by what he can do. Yeah. And I'm also blown away at how he's investing into other men. Absolutely. And how he's like, they're, they're very laser focused on yeah. multi multiplication, planting churches. Yep. That's, that's awesome. You know, yeah. it's, seeing things like that is pretty cool. So Absolutely. And I just want to see more of that. Yeah. Right. Most definitely. And yeah. I also think too, like for Toronto, for example, you know, like a couple of things. Number one, when you reach somebody in the harvest, they're not going to have relationships to, 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 you know, to, to have a lot of financial means. Yeah. Now, that's the first thing. Number two is when you're dealing with a lot of internationals, you know, by 2030, they say 60% of our city, the Toronto, greater Toronto area is going to be foreign born. 50% mm -hmm. right now is foreign born of over 7 million people. That's mm -hmm. insane. Yep. That's insane. So you say, well, why do you say that? Well, a lot of these immigrants, they, they need help. You know, they, they need some financial help. They, yep. So, so we have to step up to the plate and connect these guys and help them get a little bit of financial resources as they labor, as they work and as they build their teams up. Mm -hmm. And so that's where I want us to go. I want us to move in that direction. Amen. It's good. Well, Matt, we're kind of running out of time today. So yeah, man. we uh, probably better wrap it up, but want to thank our listeners for tuning in to this episode of In the Trenches. As always, make sure you head on over to www.getinthetrenches.com. You can find links to other episodes. You can find our contact info if you want to ask a question to myself or to Matt. Uh, make sure that you head on over to iTunes or Google Play or Stitcher or Spotify, any of those platforms, and hit the subscribe button uh, and, and leave us a five-star rating with a written review. It helps get the podcast into the hands of more church planners so that they can benefit from In the Trenches. We're going to be back next Monday with another episode. So until then, go out there and get in those trenches, church planners.